One, two, ten. Welcome to the Claimant Throne Podcast. Coming on you with infos on writing, recording, and marketing a metal album in 2013. Hey, who is it? Cabra Nash. On the podge. Hey, mate. How you going? Pretty good. And uh, welcome, everyone, to episode eight of the Blodgecast. I'm Cabba. And I'm Ash. And it's good to have you back again. Thanks for listening. And, um, yeah, you are on the podcast where we talk a lot about um, DIY musicians and how you can uh, manage a band by yourself in an age where it is becoming increasingly difficult, but the possibilities are endless. So don't get bitter, get better. The Australian coast is about to be invaded. It's time for crabs, naked and vulnerable, on a mission. Gabby Sedge, episode Sedge. Neil, Neil. Today on my Sedge, I'll be chatting about something called merchandise for bands um, in, a, in an age when it is getting difficult to gain extra revenue just from selling music alone. Um, a lot of bands aren't really making much money off you know, selling CDs or even online downloads. can be sad, but um, embrace the changes and um, there's definitely earning potential out there and, and one of those main ways is by selling merch for your band. Um, but yeah, today we'll be stripping it right back and it's for um, bands that are just in the starting stages of their life um they don't have any merch yet so we're going to walk you through how to get some are you just spilled coffee all over yourself spilled chock chill all over my foot oh you want to go get a tissue no way i haven't even brushed my teeth yet this morning actually (laughs) i didn't even give a fuck actually really these days where bands are are making solid money is from yeah putting on gigs touring and selling a lot of merch so definitely worth um focusing a lot of your effort on that but that being said, people will buy your merch and go to your shows if you do have quality music. So even though the money that you are getting isn't directly correlated to the songs, you've got to bear in mind that quality music getting out there is is what's going to drive higher sales in, in regards to show payers and merch buyers. So sink your teeth into this one, suckers. So for starters, um, you've got to get some artwork for your merch and that, you know, if you're a band starting out, it's more than acceptable just to have a logo design. So if you don't have a logo yet um, for your band, you definitely need to get one. Um, you can try and do it yourself, have a play around with Photoshop or anything, but um, you can also certainly find a pro who can definitely design you something awesome. Um, a lot of people generally have friends or if you're going out to gigs and you're friends with people in the scene, you'll definitely be able to find one, someone who can um, design you a logo. More than acceptable just to be purely the only thing you need on a t-shirt or on any sorts of merch that you're going to get. Um, but you can, of course, go all out, get a big design that looks awesome and, and might attract some more people to buy it. But you do have to bear in mind that more colours equals more money so it'll cost you more to get a a crazier design printed then you want to get a quote for the merch you're about to order Um, you definitely want to shop around for plenty of quotes you'd be surprised to find just how much prices can differ so um, there are two main things that would affect how much it will cost you to get these printed and that is colors and the quantity so simpler the design then the cheaper it's going to be for you to print it Um, so if you just get you know one color logo on just the front of the shirt that'll be a lot cheaper than it would be to get multiple colors you know like a three four color design front and back it'll it'll start building the costs up which is cool like if that's what you want to do and you think you will sell more then go for it but just be prepared to pay for it and then of course the quantity so it'll work out cheaper per garment the more that you order so you really want to balance good value with how many you're realistically going to sell you don't want to just get 10 shirts that'll just work out way too expensive you might be paying you know 15 dollars a shirt and then you've really got to charge a lot for it but if you can you know order a hundred 
it'll drop that to you know five bucks a shirt cheaper um, and then you can you know, of course sell them for cheaper as well but you know at the same time you don't want to be ordering a hundred shirts if you're never going to sell them so just um, yeah be realistic about that um, and just find that good balance of what's going to work out cheap and um, and what you're going to sell once you've decided on your quote it's time to place your order um, so once you've carefully chosen who you're going to go through make sure you send them all the details and confirmations but you have to double check this a million times um, the last thing you want is for um, you know your artwork not to come out in good quality or, or you know not to be printed in the right spot or anything so send them high quality artwork a lot of places w would be able to send you a test copy as well so they might even send you a, a version of the shirt you're about to order in the mail just for you to sign off on it and say that's what we want and, and the reason i say this we've been down that alley ourselves where we've ordered a whole heap of stuff i think shirts um caps a bunch of stuff and um yeah received this massive order all excited about it and the shirts just looked horrendous the print design was all like inverted and looked fucky the caps were like some scabby quality thing where our complex logo wasn't very friendly to being stitched onto a cap um so we we're a bit devo about that and that could definitely have been avoided by taking the time to do a little bit of research on what would work on certain garments and what wouldn't and it would have been nice for the for the printer to actually send us an email or something or a phone call and say hey we've just um started printing your shirts it doesn't really look too good do you want to double check the design that you sent us so we did actually complain about that to them even though it was probably 50 percent our fault as well but they were more than happy to um to rectify it by sending us a whole heap of um of new versions of the printing that was good yeah you definitely want to avoid that scenario if you can uh, like you've got to be very vigilant about it because we've even with posters you know they asked for a pdf file so we give them a pdf file that we exported from a jpeg and we didn't know that was the wrong thing to do at the time yeah for sure and we get blurry posters back and we say this this isn't what we paid for and then they say well actually it is we just get the file and print it and that's our job and we end up with a pixelated poster that you can't even read yeah, and then they, they just wash their hands of it and say, look, if we told every person who gives us a shitty quality or an incorrect um, version or format or whatever, um, you know, we'd spend half our day doing that. So, they're pretty over it themselves. So, just, yeah, be on top of it. Uh, also, while you're placing your order, something you need to think about is sizing. Um, so, most of the time, you'll, you'll want a large amount of probably mediums and larges that will be your biggest sellers. Um, but you do also want to, to accommodate for everyone. So you want to make sure you do still get a selection of smalls, extra large, 2XL, um, and even bigger depending on, you know, yeah, who, who you think is going to be buying um, your merch. Um, it's something that you'll master over time. So you, you are going to you know, end up with a few sizes that no one's buying. But you will learn from that. And the next time you place an order, you'll know, you, you know, scope a, a better idea of, of what you do need to order in regards um, to what sizes your fans often buy. And um, you'd probably want to get some girlies as well uh, for those sexy ladies that come out to your shows and you want to flirt with them and give them free shirts. And, and that's what it's all about, being in a band, is just to get girls. Once you get your merch, you want to then prepare a stock room. And when I say that, you can just use a space in your lounge room or a bedroom. It'll do just fine. But don't underestimate the headaches that storing merch can cause. So, you know, if you have them all packed away in one big box in your lounge room, if someone orders a 2XL, which is right down the bottom of your box, you've end up got a 
tearing out all of the all of the other shirts all around the room piss off your nana it gets really annoying so it's just once you do get it set it out nicely keep it organized by style and size just know where all of the sizes are maybe have them in different boxes or something like that and um, keep track of what you've got as well um, you can set up a simple spreadsheet on Excel on your computer and just so you know what sizes you've got and where they are and then as you sell them you can sort of tick one off the box and you know how many you've got remaining and, um, and that's a, a good way of, of just keeping track of the sort of things that you are selling as well um but yeah you'd find i don't know at our point i'm looking at our merch right now we've got 11 boxes of shit in the corner of our room here um which does take up a lot of space luckily we do have the space for it but jesus it gets really painful sometimes and you miss the cd boxes on the left mate so yeah there you go more boxes of, of crap everywhere so you've got all your new merch and it is time to launch it and new merch is a good enough reason as any to celebrate so if you launch it properly you'll definitely maximize your sales um, and yeah cleverly constructing your launch will um, be something that you'd sync with your online release dates of the merch and a live event for when the merch is available. So have a you know have a merch launch gig. No no problems with that. Yeah, you'd probably want to release your merch online the same date, just so it's a, a big um, you know, thing that you can promote in the lead up to it as well. Um, and if you're really keen, you might even have arranged pre-orders to help fund the initial outlay of, of the cost to buy the merch. Um, so you could set something up online, and people can um, can place orders and, and send through the money, and you can use that to buy your merch um yeah before they even get it and then you post it all out to them but yeah for the locals they can come along to your gig and um yeah venues also really like anything that is a launch of you know whether it's a new cd new merch launching a tour so yeah it's a, a good way to book a show for sure pimp the crap out of it in the lead up that leads in on to setting up an online merch store so by this point, hopefully you do already have a website and social media, um, so you can easily link the merch store to these pages. Um, setting one up is actually really easy and generally can be free. Um, there's heaps of tools on the internet, so you can just hop on the old Goodjul, search for band merch store or something like that. Personally, we use bigcartel.com. Can't speak highly enough of it, but that's just the way I was raised really. So check that out for sure. You'll also need a PayPal account um, and some cool pictures of the merchandise to put up there as well. Um, and when people do start making orders, it's pretty exciting. So you'd get a, an email pop-up to say someone's purchased something. So yeah, you'd probably send that person an email, say thanks a lot for, for buying our stuff. And what I like to do is be real sneaky and steal their email addresses as well and chuck them on our mailing list. It's also time now to set up a merch store at gigs and this is where the magic happens. So a well-run gig with a great merch stand is where your band will seriously make a lot of its earnings. So this yeah, might firstly be your launch date of the new merch. Um, you want to make sure you've got it all set up there nicely and encourage people to come over and buy stuff. Um, get your, your band members to take turns with manning the desk. They can meet the fans, shake their hands, sign stuff, talk to them about about your band and about the scene in general. So yeah, you will not only make your fans really happy um, in that regards, but you'll also learn about them, what makes them buy things, um, what prompts them to act the way that they do, and you'll learn a lot about the scene as well. Um, you can also help the other bands out that are playing the gig by covering their stalls while they're playing, and then hopefully they'll look after your stand while you're on stage. And while you are on stage, make sure you advertise that you are selling stuff. So this is like the perfect time to entice people to support you and convince them that they want your stuff. Um, and then once you finish playing, run over to that merch stand, and, and that's when you'll sell the most right after you play, or right at the end of the night when people 
people start leaving and then they'll just grab a shirt on their way out. Um, and yes, yeah, good opportunity to, to say hi and show your face, you know, tell them about your band and hopefully they'll come and see you again next time and buy more of your stuff. You can also enhance the merch desk with um, using certain online tools. So you might have a printout of a QR code, which I love, don't I, Ash? You love your QR codes, Cabba. <laughs> so if they scan that, they might take them directly to the merch store. Um, you could also have like tipping systems um, or pictures, videos that you share on social media and you could even offer discounts if other people share details of your merch on social media too. Uh, posting merchandise is something else to consider and postage costs suck. You'd be surprised to actually how much it costs to send things, especially overseas. So make sure you do research before you go to the post office. Um, you need to work out how much each of your items weigh, what sort of shape they are and um, yeah, really make sure you get the appropriate package to put them in. Um, sometimes it works out best for us especially is just getting uh, buying a, a big bunch of prepaid satchel bags so you do get a discount if you buy them in bulk and you know yeah that way you know exactly how much they cost and you can put those prices on your merch store um, so you're not going to lose out and yeah unfortunately you do have to pass those postage costs onto the buyer which sort of sucks because it makes you know it makes your stuff look more expensive and might put them off buying it but you can't just suck up those costs yourself otherwise you'll just end up making no profits um, just something else to keep in mind when you're sending items overseas you need to fill out a custom slip and have ID and something else you want to consider well you pretty much definitely must do this is include additional items for the customer so this is a way to just add value and if they are paying that extra for the postage cost then it's nice for them to get some extra little goodies in the bag only has to be as simple as a sticker or a magnet or anything like that um, but you do want to exceed their expectations and make sure they know that you appreciate them buying your stuff um, some bands even do little personalized thanks notes which are a nice touch um, and you can definitely also use it as an opportunity to advertise some more things that are coming up so you might be able to put in a fly for your upcoming gig depending where these people live or um, do a little printout of your latest news or any website links that you think they should be checking out and yeah pretty much just the most important thing with merchandise is promoting it effectively so internet's always a good place to start um, so you can post updates on your social media with pictures or anything of your merch um, link people to your store or the main website and have occasional special deals um, so you can put um, you know discounts out for with items you need to get rid of or um, yeah package things up in a way that that the more people buy them, the more they'll save. So um, we like to sort of, you know, you might have a certain price for a CD or a shirt, um, but if they buy both, then it'll be five bucks cheaper and they get a free canvas bag that says prepare for shopping. Um, so definitely ways to encourage people to um, to get some extra stuff. Uh, and there are a few other, a few other crazy promotional ideas that we'll definitely cover in an article coming out very soon. Um, one thing I do find real funny when people come to buy shirts off you at gigs and they say like, how big are your mediums? And you're like, well, medium, I guess. Or you troll them. You'd be like, oh, mediums are large, actually. And our larges are really small. How long is a piece of cube? <laughs> and um, yes, just some other merchandise items you can consider apart from just T-shirts. You look at hoodies, baseball shirts or long sleeve shirts, patches, beanies, magnets, stubby holders, G-strings, baby bibs, caps, key rings, posters. Yeah! One thing I was just thinking while you were talking about listing all your merch in an Excel spreadsheet. Oh, yeah. And then you said later, weigh and know the cost of your items. Maybe one column could be the weight of each item. So when people order multiple things, you can just quickly add up what it's going to weigh. And so which kind of bag or service.
service or possibly estimate a cost you might have to make at the post office? Love it. Great idea. Got multiple items to sell at the post office? Getting a hand cramp from writing from details on the back of every single envelope? Why not get a sticker or a stamp made up with all your details so you can just whack it on the back of the bag each time you sell something, cut down your time, save pain on your hand. I'm Cabber and that's my tip. Shut up, Floyd. And I gotta say the drummer was friggin' awesome. Just like spot on. And it's supposed to be three to six inches. It was 22. I better get going. So my sedge this week is on tour tips, what to bring on tour. Now, your band's progressing, and when you're not playing shows in your own hometown and you have to go abroad, whether that be on a plane or just on a convoy car or even in a van situation, you might want to think about what you're going to bring to the show. Now, I made the mistake when I was a young tacker, 18, 19 years old, going on a few regional trips just by car of packing basically all of our band's gear into three or four cars as we would normally do for a show. Uh, you'd end up driving two to three thousand kilometers in a round trip over three or four days only to play three 45 minute sets. And then you're constantly unpacking and packing your gear. You've got the risk of having your entire backline in a car park in a hotel or something like that overnight. It's quite risky, quite scary. And also just the simple fact that you could break down. The more cars you've got, the more chances for a breakdown. Then you don't have any gear to get to your gig. Golly gosh. Then it gets tougher when you get on a plane. How can you pack in a whole drum kit, cabs, uh, bass cabs, amps, everything, plus the flight cases needed to keep those things safe? It is just way too crazy. So here is a list of stuff that you should think about bringing when you're going to go on tour. Firstly... Get used to playing on other people's backline. Always contact any of the support bands that you're playing with. Usually the second headliners are professional and they are in the same situation as you. They will offer you their cabs, generally their heads, and also like a backline drum kit. And then what you need to bring from there is your own personal gear. So for a guitarist or a bass guitarist, you want to bring your own guitar. You want to bring any pedals or DIs that you specifically require. Leads, any in-ears or backing track situations that you have. And just some tools and some spare strings so you can, you know, you can keep up your instrument while you're on the road. Also, another tip is to bring a small towel just to wipe down your gear after every show. That'll let your strings sort of be a bit brighter for longer because you might find yourself running out of time to change strings. So, you know, you might get an extra gig out of it if you're not covering your guitar in sweat and gunk. Can I tell you one thing not to bring? Yep. A chainmail shirt. Why is that, Cabot? Tell me. Because it weighs about 12 kilos and um, puts your guitar over the limit and you end up having to pay an extra 45 bucks every time you get on a flight. Haven't you worn that onto a plane before? No. No, I've not worn onto a plane. I don't think you could get it through the... the also, have you taken it on carry-on, but... No, no. You haven't, okay. No, only on check-in, check so check-on package. Uh, you and Dyson have got it down to a fine art as guitarists of what to bring, and Jim does also, where you manage to fit just a couple of pedals like a noise suppressor, a tuner, and maybe an overdrive pedal into your actual guitar case with your leads, some strings, a set of pliers, and some Allen keys... And of course, your guitar itself, you can lay a towel over the top of that. And if you've got any stage clothes, you can lay them on top as well. And that'll all fit in, won't weigh too much, and will just get you under your baggage limit for an airplane. And also creates no extra space or extra hands needed when you're carrying it, maybe to a taxi, a maxi taxi. or If you're a guitarist, all you want is your guitar case, 
and a backpack with your clothes and whatever in it. That's it because you need to be carrying merch and helping other people carry stuff as well. Except that now we've only just recently got some little amps, um, which are Kemper profiling amps that weigh five kilos. They're sort of like um a, yeah like a cross between a rack mount and a and a guitar head. Um, so every gig now we can just plug them through other people's cabs that we're borrowing, um, or just straight through the monitors as well. And yeah, they just fit right in your backpack. So you still you need only your backpack with that stuff in it and your guitar case squish it in i'm glad you're here for that because you're a guitar player mate and i like your skills okay so that goes for bass as well and jim does a pretty good job of just sticking to his case he's recently got a handle on his bass case as well which is handy walking around the uk without a handle on your bass <laughs> was so awful <laughs> The other thing you'll find is that in your local town, you know the venues, you rock up there, you load in with the car and you're walking 10 metres and you might do five trips um, unloading all your gear and it's fine from car to stage or car to loading area. But on tour, you might get dropped off by a taxi or have to park your van 200 metres from the venue. I know one venue, the Manning Bar in Sydney, if you don't know your way around or you're saving money or something like that and you're getting dropped off, you have to walk across an oval or at least follow a driveway around that only has access to cars at certain times. And we have to trek all our gear across that and it's it's just an awful experience. And as soon as you do it once, you realise, what in the hell did I have that extra guitar for or why did I take my head on tour or why do I have those extra symbols that I don't use or they aren't necessary to use in my set? The trick is there is just, especially as a guitarist, just pack light. If you are going to take a second guitar or use uh, multiple tunings and need them, you can. But just remember that everything extra you take equates to more carrying, possibly more excess baggage or even an extra taxi or something like that because you won't be able to fit the stuff in. Don't underestimate freight costs as well. It's seriously expensive if you go over your baggage limit at the airport. Um, so you really want to weigh everything you have before you go and just um, yeah, do some research as to what you're actually entitled to. The big one is for the drummers. You want your personal items, which are your cymbals, your pedals, your snare drum, and of course your triggers, modules, and any in-ears or backing track situations you might have, which might be a laptop or uh, even, just, even just a small iPod and a little mixer. Uh, basically, you want to minimize the amount of items you have because uh, you might have a backpack or something like that, but you can't carry all that stuff at once. That means that other people, your guitarist, your keyboard player, your bass player, will have to help you carry things. So you don't want to burden them just with unnecessary things. Um, also, you might play the biggest drum kit in the world. It might be a double bass setup, two bass drums, five rack toms, two floor toms, uh, you know, five splash cymbals, plus all these crashes and chinas. Just cut it down, mate. There's no point using that on tour. Most people aren't going to have setups as big as you and especially not double bass. So if you use two single pedals on two kick drums, just try and get yourself a slave pedal so you can just take a double pedal instead. I know it's not ideal, it's not perfect, but, you know, just deal with it. It's a lot better to be rocking up a gig at a gig and using your own pedals on one bass drum than it is to be going, oh dear, can I borrow your double kick pedals? And then you've been using these light axis pedals and suddenly you're borrowing some DW heavy as hell, you know, crampolators. Just get used to it and be prepared for it. The other thing is triggers. Most of the time in bigger venues, the mixing desks will be big enough with enough channels to give you a couple of DIs for your band. In cases where it's a smaller mixing desk or something like that they've you know you don't get access to all the channels you need for your live show you might have to forego the use of triggers for that evening possibly even your backing track just be prepared for that remember you're a band you can play without backing track right like Elvis Presley used to so I think you can do it um, and also with triggers you're a drummer just 
play the bass drums. I mean, you won't get the sound and the monitoring you want, but sometimes you won't even have monitoring. So just just deal with it. Just play. Don't stress out about it. Uh, if you if you play three rack toms like me normally, and you get given one, you can do it. It's not that hard. And to be honest, it makes you a better drummer at the end of the day. And sometimes it's more fun. You know, the whole band knows that you're missing stuff. It'd be like them getting a guitar with only four strings on it. Like you've got to make do. And on stage, people know that you're limited. So just have fun with it and just try your best. As far as being a keyboard player goes many keyboards the good ones anyway your corgs and you know your upper market um synths and stuff like that have weighted keys that's not the best thing to be chucking on a plane not only is it super fragile but it's really heavy um you're going to blow out your baggage straight out with a big heavy keyboard uh if you can deal with it maybe just buy another keyboard that's a bit smaller with unweighted keys it's very light. Use a light stand and just have similar sounds to what you normally use um, and then put it in like a sturdy soft case with reinforcing in it and get that happening with your pedals or like your sustain pedal and your leads. Maybe a DI if you're finicky about what DI you use. If you're really specific, let's say you've got a Korg Triton really expensive keyboard, um, maybe buy a Triton rack synth and then run a smaller MIDI keyboard off that Um as an idea, there are always a lot more compact. Um, you can still get a 61 key or maybe even a full-size 88 key and it'll be a lot lighter. It doesn't have all the onboard stuff and you can probably take that synth rack as carry-on on the plane. Um, just an idea. Just look at your setup and try and minimize the amount of gear you need and still try and get the same sounds. As for actual luggage and the flight cases and stuff, basically anything that goes into the cargo hold of a plane, you're going to want in a very reinforced soft case or a decent hard case. Guitars and keyboards especially. With drums, it is definitely important for stuff like snare drums and pedals. But I mean, your cymbals, you can get really sturdy, thick padded soft cases. And I've had mine for 10 years and I've taken it a part way around the world and it's pretty beat up now and I probably need a new one, but they do actually work. And if you're carrying 19 cymbals, you might want a hard case, but I only take the bare essentials and it does me fine. Good boy. The main tip is just to get as much as you can as carry on. Um, if you do have excess baggage, which you're likely to do with merch as well, add it into the equation, then just check when you're booking your flights, see if you can actually buy some additional baggage at a cost per kilogram. Try and figure out the weight of your gear that you've got and what you're bringing, and then just get enough excess baggage bought beforehand to cover yourselves. If you rock up to the airport and you say, oh dear, I've got excess baggage now, they're going to charge you an exorbitant fee. But if you've done it beforehand, it's a hell of a lot cheaper. Even if it costs you an extra 50 bucks, it's so worth it because we've been slogged on some flights, 300. Sometimes they're nice and they just they let you get away with it. They see that you're a struggling musician, but a lot of the time they will just go ahead and hockey that. So... Just be aware. There are little perks here and there if you're aware of them. If you're signed up to APRA and registered with them, you can get a deal through Virgin Airlines where you actually get, I think it's 64 kilos instead of 32 per member. And something like that, yeah. Yeah, and up to eight items or something along those lines anyway. So look into that and just make sure that you're signed up because... Um, sports players and people who travel frequently with a lot of gear they get those kind of luxuries so having a 
a musician's one is very handy, so definitely look into it. We can probably do a sedge one day on signing up for those sorts of things. For sure, for sure. Another thing is if any of the members of your band are um, like, you know, work fly and fly out or travel a lot, you may be able to get some club memberships. And I know the Qantas Club and the Virgin Club both get uh, additional baggage for their members. And also sometimes entry to the to the lounges, and which is the best thing and you can sneak in other band members because you know when you've had days between showers and crappy food all the way and spending all this money on drinks it's pretty nice to go into a relaxed environment get some wi-fi to check your emails and and talk to your friends or your missus or whatever um you can have a bit of a shower get a feed and get some free drinks before your flight have a big whiskey have a big whiskey no one wants to be a cheapskate but when you're a filthy animal going around the country doing five flights or something like that, you just want to make sure that you're maximizing the amount of travel and get good cases for your gear. Only take what you need and be prepared to not have any time to do anything. So, yeah, take full advantage of anything you can. Got any questions for Cuba and Ish? Get on to claimathrone.net and click the send voicemail and leave us a short message that you want played on the air and answered by Cuba and Ish themselves, the fucking Lodges, the Podges, the Dirty Fucking Dodges. Claim the Throne, Album of the Week. What have you been listening to this week, Cabba? Uh, not a whole lot of things, a lot of podcasts actually, but um, one album I did have on the other day which I thought was pretty interesting was uh, Anal Nakrath, if that's even pronounced right, Anal Nakrath, um, and their latest album Vanitos, I think it's called, from 2012. Pretty interesting listen, man. Some people really rave about that band. Um, they've definitely got some pretty awesome moments. Didn't blow my mind entirely, um, but yeah, definitely a good listen nonetheless. Um, I think they're from UK. They actually remind me a lot of like Akakoki and that sort of stuff where they like, cram in all these extreme metal genres into one um, and it sort of almost has this industrial feel to it Yeah, really sort of in your face and at times for a pussy like me a bit difficult to listen to but I particularly enjoy the um, some of the clean vocal sections they have there's these real pretty catchy choruses that sound real beefy and yeah pretty cool vocals you heard them before at all Ash? Uh, I've had a little bit of a listen here and there but sort of yeah I guess like an acococ to me where mm. I enjoy it when I listen to it but don't listen to that sort of stuff that much but yeah. I guess if it's your album of the week I'll have to <laughs> well our album of the week doesn't have to mean it's awesome just means what we've been listening to and that's what's been on my stereo a few times yeah would listen to it again wouldn't rave about it at the same time but um definitely some sweet guitar riffing and some pretty cool vocals so yeah check it out what do you had on the old speakers ashley i've been listening to podges all week myself <laughs> actually um and really enjoying them so not much music um the only thing i did give a solid listen this week was nile in their darkened shrines classic um, I was holding off listening to that because they had the Nile show last week and I was giving The Faceless a chance, but mm-hmm. I haven't listened to any Nile in ages and it was really cool to chuck on that album. It's really awesome, super heavy. It's a little bit stripped back production-wise compared to the metal releases these days, but it's got a good vibe about it and it's the only album with Tony Loreno or to- Tony Loriano or Tony L'Oreal of Paris. I don't know how you say <laughs> it. Antonio Pepperonia. Is it your favourite Nile album? Um, oh, That's... Yeah, it's probably, I would say it it is. What's really cool about it is it's pretty typical Nile, but um, it's exciting. And because of the influence of old Tony on the drums, it's more like just one giant drum fill, like, 
it's very non-traditional. There are heaps of blast beats and a few um, solid passages of beats, but yeah, it's it's just like he got the album and just, just was winging it. And yeah, it's got this really cool vibe and feel about it. So yeah, my album of the week. Nice one, bro. Yes. Catching a plane with shitloads of gear and a lot of merch and need to cut down on excess baggage costs? Try putting a few t-shirts or hoodies into your carry-on luggage or wear them yourselves while going through security. Save some money, get your merch through, sell more merch in the long run. I'm Ash, and I'm not Kevin. <laughs> Listener question of the sedge. We've only got uh, one recorded question this week, which we'll go through in a sec, but we did just get a comment um, from our mate Amos Polglaze on the internet that I'd like to bring up. He's brought to our attention that last week when we were drinking beer, we mentioned we were drinking Hogarden. He's um, bravely corrected us by saying it's pronounced Hogarden. Um, <laughs> so thanks for that, Amos. We really don't care. Um, That's funny though. But yeah, I did apologize to him and then he got all tough about it and said, you better correct it or something like that. So I don't know who he thinks he is. He's definitely got a little penny. But yeah, thanks anyway, Amos. And look forward to um, hearing you tear us apart this week as well. Thanks for that. We did also get a listener question recorded. Um, They've left that on claimthethrone.net and recorded a question. It's from our mate um, called Giuseppe. Sounds a bit weird, but let's hear what he had to ask. Oh, hey guys, it's Giuseppe here. I heard uh, you might have some free things giving away at uh, the Christmas gig on the 20th of December. Can you tell us a little bit about that, Jess? Thanks for that, Giuseppe, you crazy bugger. I think the best way to answer that is by going into our next segment. Claim the Throne, News and Gidge. Our next Gidge is on the 20th of December, and that's the Claim the Throne Christmas party. I think the Perth metal scene deserves a Christmas party at the end of every year, so this is it. And there will be free stuff, you are correct, Giuseppe. We haven't worked out exactly what it is yet, but it will probably be something like the first 50 or maybe even 100 people get a free gift. Um, It could come courtesy of any of the bands playing on the night. Uh, or it may come courtesy of our very good friends at Prime Cuts Music who have lots of free stuff to give away as well. So it'll be CDs, merchandise, uh, and all sorts of little knickknacks from all around the place. If you've got anything you want to donate to give away for free, let us know. If you've accumulated any extra shit that we can give away, let us know. And that's probably about the extent of our news and gidge this week. Um, after the Christmas show, our next live events will be on the tour coming up in January with Baylorcore, which we're very excited about as well. Check out the dates at ClaimTheThrone.com. ClaimTheThrone.com What track are we going to put on this week, Cabba? We've had something off Forged in Falm, one off Cabba Sings Climb the Thorn. We had a Point Breakdown track, and we had another one off Forged in Falm. Might be time for some Triumph and Beyond, right? I think that's actually a pretty good idea. Um, I would don't know why I would suggest this, but let's... Go all out and say Rat Infested Hut, a song we never play. So, hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening to Episode 8 of the Blodgecast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in. Follow us on the net. You can find us on pretty much every social media that there is. Um, and we're on claimthethrone.com and .net. And don't hesitate to say hi or ask for some help with your band or whatever. See you again next week. Can't wait to hang out with you again, Ash. And happy birthday to our friend... Jim the Puppy Pups Parker. We should have filmed it, uh, taped this session on tape live at the scene of the, the birthday party. Scene of the cube. It's going to get messy. I'm Cabba. This is Ash. This is our bludge. Welcome to the Claim the Throne song. This is Rate Infested Hute.
you have any tips on how to promote or sell your merchandise, email Claim the Throne at info at claimthethrone.com or comment on the blog article at claimthethrone.net.